0: Up from work podcast. My name My is name Dave Swong. Let's get ready to hustle. Hey. Welcome back to the waking up from work podcast. You're listening to episode 137 of the show today. This is where we get to work, making work, a passion, living, creative, full-time. So if you are new to this show right now, this is where we interview entrepreneurs, musicians, creatives, artists, and people living alternative lives, doing what they want to do just in a way to create a community and share information that might help you or might help others about what they want to be after. Like to welcome on another guest. I've got Eric Neighbor here. So if you listen to some of the past episodes, this is actually a, a connection brought on through Peter Lanka. I'll have his episode down in the show notes for this this one. If you want to listen and creep on the two of them, you know. <laughs> so Eric is coming from a blended bunch of backgrounds, and I'm sure that that has something to do with him taking some some big jumps and some big blends of things that. You know, d- different blends of talents and different blends of backgrounds to create some interesting apps and things moving forward here. So, Eric comes from a finance background, but even before that, has lived in I think you said six different countries on three different continents. Has gone through schooling in the program to go towards the Air Force, working in the Air Force way and now has created two different apps, both doing a lot of things. And, and the one thing that we're going to talk about a lot tonight, because we we talked about this. We had a call beforehand just to chat on some stuff. Something that is kind of like around in this the talks that I, I have on the show where we talk about finance, but not in a boring way, but more in a like, how do we make it so that the majority of people can live in a really good way? Finance, like I you know, sometimes it's still boring. There's no way you can help it. But Eric has created a app called Guardian Savings, which from the outside, you could think that that's like a boring old savings bank or like something lame. It's not. It's really cool. It's an initiative that is working to create a a more modern and new approach of getting children engaged with the the way that they look at money from a a young age and understand that. And that is one of the things that we're definitely going to get into tonight because really passionate, although I don't have kids. So I'm sure that I'm going to be saying some different things as I'm as I'm a father someday parenting some, some kids of mine, but just day to day and definitely a lot of friends and family with kids. I'm really passionate about changing some things that I didn't love about my education that I had to learn later in life that I felt like I, I would have liked to have learned earlier that I think that this gentleman is is tackling a little bit there. So Eric, really long-winded stretch right there but i wanted to set the stage for you my man thank you for being on the show with me joining me from down in still green virginia
1: yeah appreciate the warm welcome dave as you said i'm founder of guardian savings it's a financial literacy app for kids designed to give kids the, the skills and the knowledge that they need to succeed as adults personal finance wise which sadly too often isn't actually taught anyway. you know we we see lots of stats out there Around, you know, how many, what percentage of Americans can afford a $500 or $1,000 emergency? And usually yeah. it ends up being around 50%. So
0: it scares the shit out of me, dude. It scares the <laughs> shit out of me. <laughs>
1: right. I mean,
0: and I've been there we, and I've been that guy.
1: We, we've seen some of its effects during the pandemic. It just it can ruin so many people's lives, right? Because if you're $500 away
0: from an emergency and a pandemic comes along, you know, you're in real trouble. Yeah, man. So. And I've, I've lived that life. Like I've lived not being able to afford a $30 problem that comes up. So I know very well what that's like. And I've spoken a lot about it on the, the show. So if you're in that situation, there's a bunch of episodes that you can see in the backlog, like uh, how to stop living paycheck to paycheck or other ones that are about times and I've lost work or just know that we get it and it sucks. But there's a lot of things to think about on how we can kind of move past where you're at. So you're not screwed. Talk to us about like how did, like I said, like a, a couple different stages of your life, and I know that we've talked about how some things have shifted and everything, but how did we get from point A to point B where some of these things are out there? And I know one of, one of the things we'll talk on probably later is the very recent launch for you. So how did we get into these apps, I guess their specific purpose and function because that's a very intentional choice and in also how did we get into the app making business anyway from this military and traveling <laughs> background you know
1: yeah so my life has taken a number of twists and turns i grew up moving around the world because my dad was in the us state department so his job was basically to work in us embassies and advance us interests through diplomacy and i was really fortunate where i got to see a lot of different places in the world, living some neat places like Austria, which is where I graduated from high school, as well as living in places like the Fiji Islands. And- Oh, at what, yeah. so this is at what age? I was in Fiji when I was in, I was in third grade, but I, yeah. I, I moved around a bunch of different, different spots. I've also lived in Bolivia and a couple other spots in Germany. And Very cool. throughout those journeys, it really gave me an appreciation for you know, the wealth that we have in the United States as well as sort of a misalignment in terms of how oftentimes we spend money on things that don't actually make us happy. You know, I've I've seen people living in mud houses where they don't have any running water, but they might be happier than you or I, where we have electricity, running water, et cetera.
0: Crazy, right?
1: Yeah, it's a different mindset, (laughs) which sort of influences guardian savings a little bit because one of the main lessons I want to teach kids through the app is helping people discover what it is it is that makes them happy and specifically how money can make them happy as well and it's not going to be through your traditional ways of you know getting probably probably not getting the latest smartphone or whatever it is that people might be banning about whether it's a pet rock or (laughs) who knows what kids are buying Hey, that's make a
0: comeback (laughs) <laughs> that was the, that was one of the biggest, best entrepreneurial things that ever existed is Pet Rock.
1: It's
0: pretty <laughs> amazing. Probably a lot of weight and transport though. Yeah.
1: Can, can you imagine pitching that to a VC firm? Like, All right, here's what we're no. going to do. We're, we're going to get a bunch of rocks, put them in boxes. This is, you know, we have an addressable market of 100
0: million kids. <laughs> I mean, they would love the margins. They'd be like, that sounds awesome. That sounds like it's going <laughs> to cost us like nothing. Wow. So... I guess, like, I want to back it up, man, because I know that you went through, you know, like you grew up and you're moving in those places. Mm-hmm. You went through schooling, and then what? What part of you? Because we'll we'll talk about this app a little bit more to understand it, I guess. But what what made you decide to create this? Like, what was it that you saw? Was it that thing that you said specifically, where you're just watching people who have literally nothing that? are happier than a lot of people that you see here who have plenty of money and they're just not happy is that the reason why you created this app or what what is it that made it cuz this is a lot of work I'm sure in the back end I I can't imagine all the work that's gone into this and the money what what made you do this like this this is something that you had to have been passionate about to create mm-hmm.
1: yeah thankfully I've had help building it it's not just me I have some really great co-founders the inspiration is a little bit about what you were talking about seeing how there's a disconnect between money and happiness. And also seeing how after I graduated from college, I had a number of friends who like I majored in finance, where they were making certain personal finance decisions that weren't actually leading to their happiness. I had one friend who had a little bit of a shopping addiction where he had a a small mountain of Amazon boxes in his living room. And he had so many where he, he couldn't even open all of them. Wow! You know, he was just like clicking and buying, and that's an extreme example. But I think we all do that to some extent. Sure. A different friend I had would go out to bars on a regular basis and spend like two or three hundred dollars just on a Friday night, which is fine. But then he would complain to me saying, "Like, I wish I had money to take a a trip this spring and go somewhere fun, but I spent all my all my disposable income (laughs) at bars." And there's yeah. there's a disconnect there where in his case, you know, he probably would have been just as happy if he was spending fifty or sixty dollars at bars
0: and then yeah. he would have had enough money for his for his trip that he wanted to take. And so seeing you people find if that complain, right? If he didn't complain and then you're like you're like, hey, you're a financial major, why are you spending all your money? and the guy's just like fucking love crushing the bars. Now, if that was the answer, you're like that's legit, man. That's fine. That's totally fine, right? But you yeah. can't complain about it after and then like, where's all the money going? You're like three hundred dollar yeah. bar nights. Like, you know, you know that. Come on,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So seeing these examples and, and people that I knew and, and people that I worked with, knowing that these were the people that were college educated, majored in finance. if anyone knows how they should be dealing with their money, it would be these people. And they weren't yeah. getting some of these behaviors right. And it really made me appreciate the disconnect between knowing what the right thing to do is versus actually applying it into action. And I think you see that in other aspects of life, whether it's, you know, going to the gym or eating healthy, we all know what we should be doing, but we don't actually apply what we should be doing. Yeah. And I, I never made the realization that the same thing could be said about money. Totally. So that's when I, I kind of fell in love with the problem of how do we teach people to be Responsible with their money and actually stick to
0: a habit where they're responsible. Right. So I love it for, so I love it for many different reasons. Like the, the problems that you saw with, that your friends were having, first of all, you know, like let's just like put it out there that our, like, you know, for people that are listening, cause I know people in, in different countries and stuff, we're obviously talking from a US standpoint. You know, I've traveled a good amount. It sounds like Eric clearly has, Done more traveling than me, so it's awesome to get perspective of other places. But we're talking from that storm standpoint. The US GDP, one of the biggest, you know, GDP's economy, money moving in, in the entire world. The reason why that happens is because our country is a business. Like our country is a business, and the way that it functions is a business. And you know, for your friend to have a million Amazon boxes in his room, should he have a million where he can't open the door? Obviously not. But Did Amazon literally create it so that they reduce the most friction possible to make it so that someone can buy something by having a card on file, by having a buy now option where you literally press buy now and then just slide something and then having that on your phone that's accessible anywhere? Yes, of course they did. That's why their stocks are like $3,500 a share right now, right? Because the the market is not only doing that Mm -hmm. where they're reducing friction for how you make a purchase on the other side of it all of us are getting completely bombarded by marketing through social where it's it's designed to make your things feel inferior so that you feel it on the other side too so you have you have this market that is doing things to reduce friction to make it so you can buy things as easily as possible which we all enjoy you know what i mean like all of us are happy with being able to have those luxuries of being able to get that so it's not a, necessarily a bad thing but on the other side of it you have people saying your your clothes are out of style even though they're they're providing a function or whatever your phone and all of these things made to create that satisfaction all that comes together to make a really dangerous thing when you couple it with how easy it is to use consumer debt to purchase things in our country it's just the way that our country works and it's the reason why we pump through so much gdp here it's the why we it's the reason why we are able to live so many different ways here. And, and a lot of that makes America a great place, but it also makes America a bad place sometimes. And it's it's up to us to create different behaviors or or see the things that suck to create different ways like this, like what you're doing with education or habits on ourselves. If we know we, we have something that's that's creating an issue for us to take that shit, right?
1: Yeah. I'm so glad you you mentioned friction. Because I think that's sort of a recurring problem. Some of these larger tech platforms yeah. is they have some of the smartest people in the world working on algorithms to optimize for certain business outcomes. So yeah, for Amazon, yeah. it's getting you getting you to buy the most stuff possible. For places like Facebook, it's getting you to scroll for as long as possible, even if yep. you know twenty. You've <laughs> been scrolling for thirty minutes, and the last fifteen minutes of them, you haven't been enjoying.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And it leads to these, you know. Terrible life outcomes. There there have been a number of reports about some of the social media platforms recently describing very detrimental life and happiness outcomes.
0: Yes. Yeah. But Statistics sort of hacked
1: our systems. So we
0: stay on there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why these things like what you're trying to create here. And like you noted earlier, habits like we're talking about gym or nutrition or anything. We know the things that we we shouldn't do, but we do them because Of all of these factors, like it's really easy to do it. It's really fun to do it. You get a little blast of dopamine when that Amazon package shows up, and you don't remember what's in it, or like you look at it and you know that it's the thing, you know. And it's really easy to do this. So let's Mm -hmm. jump right in. Like, what it sounds like you were you were seeing these things in school with finance, where you're like, hey, you know, even even all of us in the finance major of this studying this for school, there's there's some trait in us that. Clearly have been here before we got to this point that we need to address. And then you, you do this traveling where you're seeing people who don't have that commercialism. They don't have that, that same type of market where they're perfectly happy with nothing. And that's not a problem at all. So you you come out with this app basically to address something you didn't feel was around. Like what, what is up with guardian savings? I guess for people that haven't checked out that app yet.
1: Because of my background, I, I think that I had the unique perspective of not having been raised in such a consumer-centric world, where in places awesome. like Bolivia, there there really weren't that many stores I could I could go to and crave things from. Right, And so right. because of that, I saw myself as a little bit different from a number of my friends. And it got me thinking, why is it that I'm different? And I sort of concluded that it was probably how I was raised as a kid. And there are many people here in the US that... I probably raised similar to the way I am with a mindset only buy things that you need or that actually make you happy. But with, with that thesis, it made me think that we need to change the way we educate kids about personal finance. Because if you look at the outcome metrics, you know, how many people don't have any savings for an emergency, how many people don't have anything saved for retirement and, and they're getting close to retirement age, you know, how many people end up having to use payday loans It's massive. And and there, there are a number of problems that contribute to it. It's not just youth financial literacy. It's one small piece of the pie, but I think that it's certainly a contributing factor. And that's why I got very interested in youth financial literacy and started Guardian Savings. And at the time I was actually reading about how some of these tech platforms were using these psychological tools to encourage users to take certain actions and thought, what if we can apply those same types of tools and use it for good yeah, uh, in the realm cool. of creating positive habits? And that's where Guardian Savings, I think, is really different um, from a lot of the other youth personal finance apps out there. Um, in that we provide basic tools in terms of replacing a di- a piggyback, excuse me, a piggy bank with a digital alternative. Then we've invested a lot of time and effort into creating a design such that we encourage responsible habits and um, add pieces of friction to get kids thinking more with the idea being that if they learn to go through a certain thought process when they're making purchase and learn to think about their savings from a long-term view, for example, they'll take those habits with them and they'll save for life.
0: Very cool. Yes. So I want to talk about the function more in a second What's interesting about what you just said about that in terms of that friction, right? We were talking about friction earlier. You're talking about introducing friction for good. Like, let's let's make this a decision, right? Let's make us think about that instead of like, hey, dad, can I have $10? And dad just pulls $10 from his pocket, but it, there's no context. There's no conversation. It doesn't mean that the kid shouldn't have $10. It just means like, hey, let's, let's just start thinking about this like this right now. Let's start thinking about this through these day-to-days. I think about even me at age 29, right? There have been times where I've had to in- introduce friction to correct my own shit. I'm 29 <laughs> years old. I'm not a little kid, right? When I'm just spending too much on food, like eating out, right? Like some, my, me, my food, me and my wife are foodies and we've been yeah. renovating hard this year. So we, we'll put in a long day and we'll be tired and I'll be like, I'm not fucking cooking. And we eat. We eat, sometimes we would eat out a lot. So we went to having cash pulled is part of our budget in different envelopes for each week. And when that ran out, it was a predetermined budget for what was there for 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 money for groceries and money for mm-hmm. like takeout food. And that was predetermined. Me and my wife agreed on it. We said we're cool with that if we spend that. That's okay. You know, let's account for that. But when that cash ran out. I don't get to spend on that anymore. If I just use the credit card, it does I, none of that exists. None of that, like, and I still use a credit card, but it's like there are times where I've had to introduce that friction. Like other times, like for instance, people that have a problem with credit cards specifically, maybe it's not the cash and envelope system, but even having a debit card. So you feel that instant pain right when you swipe it, you feel yeah. that hurt right away. There's a difference between that decision. You think about it. You know what I mean? Like you think about it, like say you are not in that spot where you can have the three to 500, something goes down, you swipe a credit card, you're like, I'll deal, this is literally like, I'll deal with this later. You know, I I pay off my credit card instant and I get the rewards and I I use it in that way. But it's like, there's no, there's definitely a decision that's different in my head than when I do take out the debit card to say, hey, and when I swipe this, I know that that's instantly out. So I like that you're talking about that process where you're trying to address that process of like let's let's create these friction points that make someone start thinking the right way about this so they just understand the concept of it early on because I think that that doesn't go away. I think when we're adults, we all want we're all human. We want the things, you know what I mean? Or we mm-hmm. want to do the thing or we want <laughs> the thing. It's endless like that we want things. It's an endless Feeling inside of us, we always want to be better. We always want to get the. We just want that. And you, the only way to control it is to put these friction points or like understand, like, this is what's happening when I do it. So I love that you're talking through that process. What, what does it look like when someone's using this app with their children? What does it look like when they're, when they're using that? And I guess like, what was the, the idea, or the decisions behind how we created this to introduce this system? Like, what is it creating for them and why did we do this that way?
1: Yeah, so first and foremost, it's the way you can think about the app is it's a replacement for the piggy bank. So everything that was physically in the piggy bank shifts digitally so that when kids have money they want to put in the piggy bank, they instead of putting it in a physical place, they would give that money to their parent and then their balance in the guardian savings app would go up by $10 or so. Got it. Similarly, if they want to take money out they don't have a place to go to. They, they just ask their parent for the money to either swipe their card or, or give them the cash.
0: Parent and the balance bank.
1: decreases. Exactly. Yep.
0: Sure. Okay. Because they can't mom, have a Mom and dad.
1: <laughs> yeah. But then... So beyond that very simple exchange, there are a number of features, kind of like the one that you described with the different envelopes of money for different things. We facilitate that in the app to try to teach these, these budgeting concepts early on that can potentially be a framework that people use forever. So you can create... We, we call them money jars. And you can put money into any jars that you create. And then similarly, withdraw money from those jars for that specific purpose. So that sure. when you run out, you know that your budget is busted and you can't take money from something else. And there's a lot of really interesting research on that specific topic. Like If you have a named goal, like let's say... If you're an adult, if you create a savings account and you specifically call it your future house fund, you're much less likely to take money out of there, even when there's something that you really want. I think we're all tempted to be like, oh, I'm just going to dip into this, into this like slush fund a little bit. Yeah. If if your slush fund is named future house, you're not going to do that.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. That's really neat. I do that right now. Just like I, it's cool because you're naming out things, but I don't realize that I think that way. I think that way. Yeah, it's funny. I have accounts that are named just checking or saving, but I do have accounts that are labeled something different and I am less likely to to fuck with those accounts than I am normal checking, you know. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, cool. there is this
1: in, there's this interesting effect which it's well documented in the casino world where if you're up, a lot of gamblers treat that money as free money and don't feel bad about losing it because it's labeled as like house money or yeah, in this case like the casino house money, but Okay, and if you're thinking about it rationally, there's no difference between the the extra money that they won from the casino versus money that they might have in their in their wallet. Right. Um, but getting sense. yeah, getting back to Guardian Savings, you you brought up an interesting point around how you feel differently when you're swiping money on your card versus when you're using cash.
0: Yeah, and, or credit versus debit. Yep,
1: yeah, exactly. And and something that I think is really beneficial with Guardian Savings specifically is that kids aren't using cash. And while cash nice. is, is good for teaching kids you know, how to count and do some simple math, the reality is that their future payment system is going to be all digital. And so you're, you want to give them practice in the environment that they're actually going to be living in. Whereas cash is, is dying, if not dead, in many places. And yeah. so by raising them to think about money digitally, they might not have those same proclivities that you and I do since we were
0: raised with cash. That's right. Very cool. Cool. So what are you seeing with this? And then we'll we'll definitely move on to a couple of different things here, because we've already been hanging out for (laughs) a bit now. But like what do you you know, I know that there's one app, you know, you have a newer app that is a very different app that we're gonna talk about, but this one's been out for like a little bit. Like what have you seen so far with people's reactions or feedback or what are you seeing with this app? And what do you think for future?
1: Yeah. So It's been a journey. You know, We started off with a very minimal, viable product where we didn't have a lot of features. The only feature I think we had was parent-funded interest. And we've played played around with a number of different concepts to see what works, what's resonating with parents. And over time, we've seen very positive feedback, which is really rewarding because I'm not making any money off of this app. (laughs) At least not yet. And specifically, the feedback that I appreciate the most is when parents will tell me that they've actively seen changes in how their kids think about spending and about money. Where at first, they they would have lots of impulse purchases. They'd go to the gift shop and want everything in the store. And now it's a lot more calculated, which is good for both the parent and the child. Because as a parent, you don't have to deal with your child tugging your sleeve saying like, Mom, Dad, can we have this, this toy? Can we have that? And I think some, the 2 tools that play the most role with that. Probably our um, parent-funded interests where parents can set whatever interest rate they want for their kids. In the app, we recommend 15%, which can be huge, right? If you're you're gaming $15 for every $100 you have deposited, that's gonna be a big incentive to save. And what parents are saying is that they're seeing kids make the decision to save on their own rather than doing so because parents told them. And I think that's a much better learned behavior to make an active decision on your own as a child right. rather than doing doing so cuz your mom or
0: dad told you right right so basically they're given a decision and they're just explained like listen if you this is your money you can do with this what you want to do you know we're still going to track it you'll you'll understand the implications of the choices that you're making but this account right here you're going to gain interest so if you leave 100 dollars here you're going to have 115 at whatever time just by explaining that, not saying like yeah. what you should or should not do. There's no weight in it. The child is saying, if I can get $15 for just letting that sit in there, I would rather do that. They're choosing to throw that into that account. They're already making that right. choice. What what age groups are are making these decisions like that? Do you know? Or is it kind of scattered?
1: Yeah, the, the
0: ages that uh, kids
1: use the app are
0: anywhere from 6 to 12. Awesome, um, dude. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome so. to see that. And you know what? Is it's intriguing with with this conversation that you're working on this process at that age and also seeing what's happening in the finance world right now just with like, you know, like stocks were such a mysterious thing and now you can see a kid walk around and buy stocks on Robinhood all day. It's social. And so like, obviously there's a lot of problems of people not being educated and, and losing money. You know what I mean? Like that's obviously a mm-hmm. problem that's, that's happening but all but also like there's a lot of kids that are going to be kind of crushing it by the time they get out of college whereas i was getting out of school and i had nothing but like a jeep that was on fire i had no money to my name there's some kids that are going to be crushing stocks by like i don't even know what age right now and so it's exciting to see some of the tools that people are getting more clarity more access to in in easier uh, understanding, it's not as many things behind the curtains. This is what technology is doing as it continues to progress further. Here is it's just exposing everything, uh, good and bad, and that's a good thing. Yeah. That I think that it's exposed is just that access and that ability. So I'm I'm interested and I'm I'm really honestly optimistic for the future of things like this and, and tools to work towards. How can we educate this if it's not in the schools? Because like I I don't know about programs right now. Like I said, I don't have schools, but it's just I don't have kids in school. I don't have kids but that hasn't been something that's been taught in school and if your parents are not good with money then guess what you know what i mean like you're probably going to be bad period. with money or at least it's going to yeah. take you a 10 year lag period of being influenced by other people before you change your shit by then you're already in a in in way into life you know and it's fucking up all your stuff so having that ability to get that education from somewhere quicker paired with some of these things that are kind of coming out from behind the curtains of access to stocks and crypto and and interest and all of these things that they can invest in at an earlier age and understand. I'm excited to see what that could produce for people in the future. Like what how could that help them, you know, start a business or be creative or pursue their passion or live their dream faster in life than people have ever been able to do in the past. I'm hoping, you know? Yeah. That's that's ultimately
1: my vision with where I want to take guardian savings eventually is sure. build it so that it's useful for kids beyond ages Ages twelve, and build an interface that evolves with the age of the child, and introduces concepts at every major life milestone. Right, so you'd probably want to introduce kids to very simple investing around like age thirteen or fourteen. But there are a lot of additional major life milestones that you want to get to after that. You know, thinking about your first car, like what's a car payment like? Oh, you're thinking about college. This is this is how money affects college and building comfort with some of these advanced financial products and best things, is one of those big ones those yeah. so insurance where if you don't have these things when you should you can get it can get you in a lot of trouble you know there are all these math equations and, and memes talk about how if you just start saving for retirement when you're 20 you'll be a millionaire basically yeah assuming that the stock market continues to perform at historic levels but lo and behold so many people don't do these types of things because it's scary. You know? <laughs> Who knows what stocks you should be picking? Like, Is it GameStop? Is it something else? Amazon? Yeah, and a lot of yeah. people sometimes get burned because they don't really have experience with the stock market or just don't try because it makes them uncomfortable.
0: Right. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, but I I just like this concept where like I, I in the past, before I had met you, I, I've always talked about these like ideas. And, and I've heard some other alternate ideas that I like too of, of parenting for trying to prep children for different choices that they could make, like trying to make it more of an open palette and not allowing to society or the market to quite decide which way they're going to jump. I want them to really feel like they can play the field. One thing from the parenting side, an alternative way for investing for your child for like a college fund this is Brandon Turner from the Bigger Pockets Podcast. anyone that likes real estate stuff or you're interested in like trying to invest in real estate, best podcast ever. People who, who are in it, who have who have been listening, they they know because it's probably the number one podcast for it. But I really encourage you if you want to get into it, that's awesome. But he does this thing for his children. When they are born, he buys an investment property. And basically, that investment property is their college fund. He doesn't do a college fund. He just buys a property that he's smart about. You know, you don't have to do the craziest down payment. If you do things right, you don't have to save too much to get into it, manages that property, pro- rents it out, you know, so he's covering the mortgage, probably using, usually uh, bringing in a little bit over the top still in, in cash flow monthly. But then the, the key point of it is by the time that child is 20, 25, whatever the appreciated value from the amount of humans that are being created in this world right now. Versus the amount of space that they have and how slow we've been historically for building amount of housing for those people, those properties in equity by the time that child is ready to make a decision, whether they're going to college or whatever, the property is worth everything that it needs to be for them to literally sell the property. By then, it's already paid off, cash out, and then pay for their thing without rate. So there's alternative ways like that to, to kind of prep for their financial future that I like. But also for your children, I did like an episode talking about lemonade stands and how, how much, how like I yes. can never pass I on without going one. to it. Oh, thanks, man. I, dude, I'm so passionate about that. But it's just like, I, I really believe that we should be giving them the opportunity to do some of these experiments way, way younger. And then like, honestly, like send it, send it further than the lemonade stand. Like I would love to, to give more opportunities for them to try you know, an Etsy shop. Like now, we've got different modern tools, right? Try an Etsy mm-hmm. shop, or try like flipping things on eBay, or try you know like picking out some things that we think are going to appreciate and selling them next year and see what happens. Or like these these experiments to just give them ways to think more openly about these are all of the opportunities that I have in front of me. These are all of the ways that I can access that. And this is on your side of like financial literacy. These are the pain points. This is the real pain that you're going to feel if you make this decision. This is really. What the implications of that decision long term for you are. Because I think the biggest problem in our market is coming from that humans inherently, we like instant gratification. We inherently, our bodies as people, you know, as humans back in the day, like we were, we didn't have all of these awesome things. People kind of forget that this whole thing that all of us are growing up in, at least, like has only existed for like a hundred years or less, you know, a couple hundred years. It's kind of nuts how fast we've moved so far, but it's like our bodies are made to have instant gratification because we needed it. Like we need to get the food. We need that food right now. We're made to love instant gratification and then use that and outweigh long-term things. And it also, when you have all of these things in place that make it really easy to get instant gratification and it doesn't really take, it takes a long time to see the bad on it. It's just, I get why it's hard for people, you know, and I get why... Mm -hmm. It's a problem. But yeah, yeah.
1: Your, your story about the lemonade stand really made me think that if, if I had kids, I also don't have kids. <laughs> In hindsight, I wouldn't necessarily recommend building a product for a problem that you don't necessarily have. <laughs> it's a <laughs> lot harder tough, to dude. get test subjects. It's it's, it's harder, to, harder, harder to relate to parents. But that's yeah. a whole... Yeah. That, that's a tangent. I think experimentation and learning how to experiment and get a feel for the market is so important. For yeah. for kids to learn because it benefits you if you go into entrepreneurship and even if you end up working at a big corporation. Totally. Learning totally. How to adapt and, and see how the market changes is a
0: really great skill. Yeah. Talk to me about this other app that you just came out that's brand new. Completely different, right? Completely different. <laughs> but from hearing kind of the way that you've approached things, I feel the same curiosity coming from you at least. I don't know if it's you and other founders or where this is coming from. But even though it's a very different thing that it's tackling as a opportunity, I feel the same vibe from it. So what's this other thing that you just popped the other day?
1: I I appreciate the introduction. So my second app that we just launched is called Capital Clues. It's a clue-solving adventure for the National Mall in Washington, D.C. And it gamifies the tour of the traditional monuments that you see between the Lincoln Memorial to the Washington Monument. So that way you have more fun when you're touring these places, you take in a little more history and you might see things that people that are just on a normal walking tour don't actually see for themselves.
0: Right. And so so is that very different? Yeah.
1: It's fun for all age groups, different, very different than youth personal finance. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been really fun to work on. And I, I started because I, I live two miles from the National Mall. So it's one of my favorite places to go and hang out during the summer. And last year, when we were in the middle of the pandemic, there wasn't a, a vaccine out or anything like that. I was really craving some time with my friends and came up with this way to bring friends together outside in a place where everyone could maintain their distances and, and sure and play this
0: fun game together. Um, and that's how capital clues was born that's cool so you invented it for that reason of just like hey let's do this thing out there and that's how you came up with it
1: (laughs) yeah originally it was it was pretty low tech but when i i ran it with my first group of close friends they loved it so much it it got me thinking maybe there's there's something here i didn't intend to to build an app for it myself or anything like that it kind of just evolved naturally yeah where i kept on kind of Reading people's reactions. And now, now I'm proud to say that we have a, an app in the iOS Apple Store.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. And I think that what's cool about that is it's like, it's hitting something that will inherently be or is starting to be part of our society where you can see in like the retail side, there's a lot of experience based things that are using your phone to interact with product in there, like virtual ways of identifying, yeah. getting more information on products. I see that also in your space of of this right here where if I'm walking around DC and I'm not taking a guided tour which would be very much my style I like to just jump into shit and like get get go down all the weird uh hallways and just get lost and figure out what's going on but also I really do love history and I I do go to places like that with purpose and that's a way that you can really get basically a guided tour is an in inter, an, an interaction with the space without having a full tour or something like that. I'm I'm sure that experiences like that are going to just continue. Because even when you go to places where there's some type of like walking tour or something and they just play the audio, that feels like old school to me. Like, even though I enjoy that still, it feels old school to me where you just have the audio playing at like touch points or something like that. I feel like more of an interactive game or like something a, a little bit more using the technology that we have had for some time now is something that people would be utilizing if they're not already in other places. I've never, I haven't seen an app like that, but I haven't looked either. I don't know.
1: There there are a few scavenger hunt platforms out there. I, I don't think mine's the first, but mine is yeah. the first for the national mall specifically, um, which is huge for
0: tourism. That's... Huge.
1: Yeah. Right. I hope so.
0: Yeah. That's cool.
1: I, I think if Pokemon go taught us anything, it's that, people love being outside and playing games, interacting with the the things that they normally see on their normal walks or commutes. And so I I think that there is this trend that that you mentioned where companies and and game companies are trying to get people to interact more with the real life objects because that's more fun than sitting on a couch on your phone.
0: Right. Totally. Very cool. So, like real quick, I wanna backpedal just because I never asked this. And I'm sure that there's some people that would wanna know this. And then I wanna jump into one more thing that I know is gonna kind of pull our time up to the end here. But pulling it back a little bit, I know that you're working with some partners on this Guardian savings, but like how did like you went through school for Air Force and like going into things like that? And I know that you ended up going into finance and that's what brought the passion for Guardian savings, but where did we get the app development side? Is that something that you're working with other people to create this, and you're just coming in from the back end of like, what is this supposed to do? What is this like? What are what are all the components that make this? Or is this someone you you know you or someone in your team that are creating this apps? How did how did you get into creating an app? Because I don't know that there's a lot of people on the show that have created their own app yet, let alone two. You know.
1: Yeah. If you told me in college that I was going to be coding apps in my future, I, I would have been very surprised. Like you said, I was in college studying to be... I was studying finance, but I was also in Air Force ROTC. And I thought that I was going to be a pilot for the next 15 to 20 years of my life. When you when when I joined ROTC, I, I had a scholarship that basically I, I signed away the next 10 years of my life where I basically had a contract with the US government that said wow. i had to do this for a certain time period and so for better or for worse when i got selected for pilot training i it was my senior year i'd already done 4 years of summer camps going to you know boot camp type experiences in hot places like alabama and yeah. my senior year i was told that my vision didn't make it so senior i ended up having year. yeah after after 4 years of Struggling through all the marching and military history and, you know, sleeping in
0: tents outside. That sucks, and man. Is that something that developed or that just got caught in senior year?
1: It, it just got caught, which I'm grateful for because now I'm aware of the, the condition I have with my eye. Thankfully, sure. d- don't feel too bad for me. I, I have 20-20 vision.
0: <laughs> I do so. not. If you were to see my glasses on, i tell people I look like <laughs> bubbles from Trailer Park. Like it, Trailer Park <laughs> boys, dude, it's nuts. My vision is bad. And if my contacts fell out, my glasses broke and the world ended so we couldn't manufacture, I would be toast. Someone would totally take me out. So at least you got 2020. That's good, man.
1: (laughs) I can totally picture it. Well, so I I had a reckoning where I had to figure out what is it that I want to do with my life. And it was really tough because I had planned on basically having the military make all my decisions for me for the next... Till senior year. Totally. And I ended up going what seemed like the path of least resistance for me, I got a job doing consulting where I was promised that I would get to do, you know, 20 different things working in different industries, which (laughs) seemed like a great idea for someone that wasn't sure what they wanted to try, you know, sure. Yeah. Come do this thing. Try it. Try a lot of different uh, clients and skills. And so through consulting, I thankfully got staffed on some interesting technology products, projects where, I had a hand in defining how certain tech products were built. And it made me want to study computer science. And so I took a number of free courses, starting with codeacademy.com, learning some basics around JavaScript and Python. And from there, I think I did pay something like $20 to take an online class on front-end web development. Okay. But... it. My my journey to code apps and web pages has all been self-taught, and I haven't had to pay anything besides this twenty dollars course that I took.
0: Damn! And that twenty dollars course, along with your free stuff and your curiosity, was enough to make it so you figured out how to make two apps with coding.
1: Yeah, I I did have help it, along the way. Yeah. One of my co-founders for Guardian Savings is a real software engineer, so he would review the code that I was pushing and. And he he would rip my code apart a couple of times. So that was really helpful. But with Capital Clues, I built it all on my own, which I'm so nice. really proud of. It's a milestone. I'd say for, for anyone that's interested in programming, I'd say it's never too late. You can always you can start with an introductory course. And I know that there are a number of organizations out there on on sites like meetup.com
0: where you can meet others that are along a similar journey that you can you can learn from. That's awesome, man. I mean that's what a great investment, like obviously, like working with people on like you said you had your software engineer person that's able to like spot check through things and help you with things that you might have had problems with, but like what a return on investment to be able to t- spend that money and then just work with people that have a better knowledge on something than you at the time or whatever to get through to those spots that's pretty awesome man
1: yeah i I found it to be really rewarding, and I will say for. Computer science in of itself, it's it's becoming a more and more accessible field just given how high in demand companies are are hiring um, software engineers. Right. So I know that there, there are some coding boot camps where you don't have to pay anything up front. All that they ask is that when you get your first computer science job, where you'll you'll likely be making, you know, eighty or ninety thousand dollars a year, they take like ten percent of it. And for a lot of people it's it can be a great deal if you're sure. making substantial you that, and yeah
0: yeah wow all right so really quick cuz we got to get to our our six ending questions here i just want to ask like from the experience that you had because that that's such a big pivot point and i'm sure that that happens to people in very different contexts but like you spent 4 years kind of going towards like what was your goal and not only your goal but like you're like i I defiantly in my head know that the next ten years is going to be this thing I've been working towards this thing and all of a sudden something happens and you need to totally switch up that happens to people a lot maybe not in the same way where it's the specific eye condition for the military or whatever it is but there's very many times like you have a pro athlete and they they the legs out you know what I mean like now that's mm-hmm. done or you have people who you know we're talking about finance maybe something happens like a medical bill or like there's there's just so many things that can happen that can totally flip the game entirely your whole life now has to be different what would you give to to people that may have experienced that recently or they did in the past like what were some of the things that helped you change your direction of like now everything has to change like what were some things that helped you through that and what were some things that you kind of like from that to change up well okay now my life is doing this thing what would you say to those people real quick? I'd love to get your insight on that. Cause it's an interesting, you know, it's a big yeah. thing. You know?
1: I would tell them that, you know, you should use your friends and family to just talk about how you're feeling to make sure that you stay in a positive headspace. Because I think it's really easy to spiral into some dark places. Yeah. I I, I, I got on the fringes of that a little bit when okay. I found out that I wasn't going to be a pilot. Sure. So yeah, leaning on your friends and family just for support and talking things through. and realizing that the world's a big, big place out there. There are a million different things that you can do in there. Are probably a million things that you can do that would make you happy that you haven't even thought of yet. The world is so complex where because of that complexity, I think you can take it as an opportunity to explore and find out what else is out there. You know, go, to, right. go to the, the darkest depths of the oceans, metaphorically speaking, there, there are still places that humans haven't ever been.
0: But we're still flying to space for some reason right now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, right on. All right. So are you down? I have like six questions that I ask at the end of every episode here so that I can kind of like go through and, and see what all of these different people from different backgrounds say. It's really fun. On the 100th episodes, I kind of go through everyone's answer on it. Are you down for my my final six questions here, man? Let's do it. All right. Awesome. So the first question would be, why do you wake up and do what you do every day versus any other thing that you could do? Oh, man.
1: I wake up every day knowing that I'm going to make a difference in people's lives for the better. Just knowing that I can have a positive effect on others and doing so at scale is really what motivates me to think that Mm. through an app like Guardian Savings, we're helping thousands of kids learn how to deal with their personal finances is super rewarding. Yeah, and getting to work on problems like that, where you make one tiny change that can influence thousands of people, I love it's that. It's
0: amazing. Yeah, and it, and it and it grows from there too. Because say you influence one kid to think differently about their finance, and they have a family, or they have whatever they create for their whole life, you change. You change not one person's life, but now you've changed multiple in the future. And when you do that, that's legacy, right? That's amazing yeah. things to to feel like teachers or or any anyone out there that's doing things where you know it's it's affecting people and it can be very simple too it can be like it can be something really simple where it can be buying someone's you know Dunkin donuts behind them or something like all those acts that just did something that was impactful for someone and make them do something else it's really amazing how that can spider web into a ridiculous amount of good reactions after that so yeah. like, what a great feeling to have man Maybe a little bit of a, a butterfly effect going on. Who knows? Totally. Totally. Yeah, you never know. So, what would be along the way, you know, everyone has like kind of uh, a great attitude for the most part on this show that they come on and they, you know, they don't ever think of a mistake as a mistake straight up. But what's something like along the way that you would tell like five years ago, you like, hey, I learned a lot from this thing, but like, don't do that. That sucked. Like mm. mistake along the way, mistake, but something that you were like, hey, if you could take this lesson, don't do that thing. If you were me. Well, I don't have any regrets about building Guardian
1: Savings, but I would recommend if you are starting a company, start a company that solves a problem that you have personally. Okay. Just so that you know, you just you have an easier customer base that you can test. Um, you can relate to the problem a little bit better. And it just feels a little bit more real. So Guardian Savings has been very rewarding in some ways. Capital Clues has been just as rewarding, even though it's it's not necessarily fixing personal finances. It's just yeah. helping people have a better experience on the National Mall when they're visiting. But, but it's something that I was able to... Uh, a problem that I experienced personally. And it was really fun to solve.
0: Fair. Yeah. And I think that people taking in that history, that's still an important thing. Even if it's like a fun thing, and it's not so much of a serious like learning development thing, it's still important history to understand... About yeah. the country, and you're giving people kind of new access to that because they might not interact with it the same way that we did in the past, right? If you didn't. Mm. So I'm down with that. Flip side, what would be like the best idea you've ever had? Or you're like, this is the best thing five years ago, me. <laughs> you should do this thing now instead of me doing this right now. Oh, man. For me personally, it probably
1: would have been quit the job that I had five years ago and get to where I am today a little bit faster. I think Word. that. A lot of times we, and you, I mean, you've talked about this on your podcast before. You kind of get stuck (laughs) thinking like, oh, I can't quit my job and start my own company or take this risk, but you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So, yeah, yeah, man. I think you just got to get out there. And a lot of times you'll learn so much more from the experience. Even if it's a failed startup, you'll learn a lot more from the experience and potentially even have an easier time getting hired at. A place that you'd rather be working,
0: yeah, I interviewed the the CEO of Boxable Galliano, mm-hmm. and he talked about how like the best part about being in this country at least is that you can do an entire startup and like fail and lose all of your money, lose everything that you own, and like we're lucky here we're I'm grateful for what we have here, but it's like you can still go through all of that and you're gonna find a place to get shelter. To find a place to have food, and it's like for people that are that passionate, where they're willing to take that risk, those people actually don't give a shit if they end up in that spot for the thing that they want to yeah. have. I, I really believe that people are that really that passionate about it. It's like you can't have those things if you don't try. But like the worst thing that happens afterward is you're still gonna have a place to to go most of the time and a and, and some food to eat through the programs that we have here. So why wouldn't you at least go for it if you're that passionate about it that you're willing to take the risk? Yeah, I love that. We celebrate entrepreneurship like that here too. Yeah, Which I think yeah. is great. I love it. We didn't always do that. What would be like your superpower? Not like a Marvel vibe or DC vibe, but like what's your superpower as Eric Neighbor?
1: I think it's... Understanding design and products and, and how we can use design to influence behavior for the positive, kind of like what we do with Guardian Savings, where we add a little bit of friction here and there, we decrease friction in other places to to get the right outcomes that we want. That's I've done that for the past three or four years and probably not... I, my
0: superpower isn't as strong as some, I'm sure, but that's where I'm at. There's, a, there's no one's superpower is as strong as some because there's always people doing different <laughs> things. You're right, good, man. There's always an Usain Bolt out there that's gonna run way faster than you. That's right. What would be a resource that you'd recommend to the audience? Could be a website, podcast, book, YouTube video, like just anything. It could be on any of these subjects too, or just straight up nothing that we've talked about. But just what's a resource <laughs> people should check out you think? That, you oh, know, I,
1: like... I would recommend the book Atomic Habits. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I actually I heard about it. that book book from you. It's all about how you can use habits to
0: change your life for the better and gives you the the tools to do it. We need to talk about that because I would love to literally just talk to you about that book. We never did that because <laughs> we, we haven't talked since then. But that's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm about that book right now. And there's a million things in there that you read it and it doesn't matter how disciplined you are. There's a million things that when you read it, you're like, I could do these things better to be better at. -hmm. Habits, you know, you can always be better. But I like the way that he explains the process. It's very, very clear the way that he explains how to create and how to get rid of habits. Yeah. And I'll let you redesign your life. Something like half
1: of the actions that we
0: take are habitual throughout the day. So, right. And then we, we just talked this whole episode about the way that like systems of things affect us. And the way that things can be cyclical based Mm -hmm. off of how we raise, that's all habits. It's all habits. And it's stuff that is very easy. Autopilot, you ask someone, why are you doing this thing? They're like, it's the way it's always been done. You're like, doesn't mean it's a good thing. (laughs) There's a lot of things that have always been done that are the worst thing that we're trying to get out of, right? So whenever I hear that as a reason, I'm like, oh, that means we got to change this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just showed me that we got to change this right now. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. So, the last one is even easier than than that one is just where people keep up with Eric Neighbor. Where do they keep up with Guardian Savings and your new app and everything like that? Where do they keep up with you? Yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. My name's spelled a little funny. It's Eric with a K, no C,
1: Neighbor with a, a U at the end after the L. Guardian Savings is at www.guardiansavings.org. And you can also find it in the App Store.
0: Same with yeah. Capital Clues. Awesome. So for people that are joining us on the live streams here, first of all, thank you for joining us. Love to have you on here. If you're new to this show, we're on every Thursday night live. So you can hang with us now. If you got a piece of this, but you want to get the whole episode of like this conversation was off of, you can see this whole thing at wakingupfromwork.com or go to podcasts that they lag behind from the live. So like maybe four, five weeks out, you'll see this episode out there as a podcast. And you can listen to the whole conversation if you want to. And for everyone that is listening to this as a podcast, because I like to do the least editing, so I say it on here, links are in the comments below. Links are in the, the show notes below on whatever app you're listening to this on. So you can check out where Eric's at. You can check out some of these resources that we talked about. You can just link your way right over there if you're like walking a dog or if you're driving a car, you need to pull over first, then you can hit those things. So. Yeah, Eric, thank you for being on the show, man, and, and taking your time to do this right after you were launching that new app out there. And we're going to have to get together on a, on a call sometime and nerd out about atomic <laughs> habits and just hope that no one listens to the conversation and, and listens to how nerdy it really could get, possibly get.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: You need, to, you need to come down to DC and, and play the Capital Clues game, man. I will do that sometime. I will will definitely let you and Peter know when I'm down in DC. I just don't know when. It's going to be probably... I don't end up going to DC as frequently as I I did maybe in the past. But there's a lot of times that I drive somewhat near there and I just haven't taken the time to jump back over there. But there's a ton of people that have been on the show that live down there. So I'm due for some hang time in DC, no doubt.
1: Find something you're passionate about. There'll probably be a protest for it in the next four years and
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. And I'll do capital clues around the protests. Right? <laughs> Perfect. There's yeah, an it, it, was, person. it was a pleasure. You too, man.